Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. So, in the last episode, we looked at James 1.1, which introduced the author of the book of James, which is James the Just, James the Greater, James the brother of Jesus, James the leader of the church in Jerusalem, who is sending this letter out to all the Jewish people that have been dispersed throughout the Middle East because of various dispersions that happened in their life. And he wants to encourage them. Uh, he wants to give them some training. Uh, he wants to give this book of James that, uh, that we are studying. Now, uh, James is included in the writings of the New Testament that we call the canon. It is one of the 66 books of the Bible, one of the 27 books of the New Testament. Uh, pretty much always been considered to be in there because of the author, James the Just. But Luther pointed out, and rightly so, that it is a lot of law and there doesn't appear to be a lot of gospel in the book of James. I disagree with Luther completely. Um, there may not be overt mentions of the gospel, but I think if you dig deep and understand the whole uh, New Testament, you'll see that there is gospel even in the book of James. And we'll be getting into that today. Uh, actually getting into that today and for the rest of the study. Uh, so we left off with James 1.1, and now uh, we're going to go into James 1 verse 2, which reads like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Now, there is a lot here to unpack, uh, but fortunately, we don't have any time constraints, and so we'll see how far we get into this and whether or not it takes us today or the rest of the week, we'll see. But uh, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters. It's interesting in the NIV, uh, the word here for brothers and sisters is adelphoi, which is adelph adelphos is the Greek word for brother, but it could be brothers and sisters. It's a generic uh, term. And so the NIV calls it brothers and sisters. But also other places, even here in James, it's translated as believers, which is interesting. So it's not, uh, it is the people who are translating the NIV translate this as this is to a Christian audience, which we know it is because in James 1.1, James says that he follows Jesus Christ. He is a, he is a brother, uh, he is a follower of Jesus Christ. And so this letter definitely is to Jewish people, no question about it, but most likely Jewish people who are also followers of Jesus Christ. And so I think calling these Adelphoi brothers and sisters or calling them believers is probably okay. So consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds. So this one is a hard one, right? Because uh, trials are very difficult. Now, what kind of trials are you having in your life right now? Um, what kind of trials have you had in your life right now? I, I think that one of the trials that we're all facing, no question about it, is this pandemic. 
And it's interesting because even in the midst of the pandemic, uh, we are still doing things. Uh, I mean, the hardest part about the pandemic is people who cannot work. For whatever reason, their job will not permit them to work. For example, uh, here in Vail, we have a couple restaurants. The restaurants are limited to a 50% capacity or a 25% capacity, which means that the amount of food they're serving each day is reduced considerably. The number of uh, wait staff is reduced. The service people is reduced by some percentage. And so therefore, and in the, in the food industry, the margins are so close that it is hard to make money in the food industry. Um, and yet, in uh, uh, our restaurant here, or there are two couple restaurants here, are staying open. They're probably not making as much money. Uh, and so that is very, very difficult for them. That is a trial. That is a temptation. Now, for me, I'm older. My kids aren't at home. I'm able to do this broadcast from my from my den where I've set up to be a temporary broadcasting studio. Um, so I, I can actually do a considerable amount of work from my house. So it's not a big deal for me. We do have um, worship on Sunday morning and that is limited how many uh, people can go into the space. And so we've added worship services. That is a more of an inconvenience than anything else. But it's still, so we're still able to do our stuff. But there are some people who are really, really struggling through this. For example, if you've got young children, um, you, you want to keep them safe. Uh, you, if you have young children, you're probably younger yourself. So you figure, well, I'm not, not going to get this. So I might take more risks. Uh, the children apparently are not uh, impacted by this as much. And so they're going to take risks. But the biggest... I think the biggest thing for anybody is uh, if you have young children and then you those young children have grandparents or great-grandparents who are in the high-risk category. And so the parents want to separate those two to make sure that the children aren't infecting the grandparents or the great-grandparents. That probably has to be the most difficult part about this. And I've heard stories of people where this is the case. I've heard stories of people who have not been able to see their grandchildren for nine months. And, uh, you know, some people live in the same community as their grand grandkids. And so, you know, being part of their grandkids' kids' life is like day-to-day -day stuff. And all of a sudden, it's cut off. Now that, my friends, is a difficult thing. Uh, children like to go to school to be with their other friends and teach that sort of thing. And many of the schools have closed down. That's a difficult thing. Um, this pandemic for some people has been horrid, absolutely horrid for people like me, not as much, but for other people, it has been life changing and life altering. And the question is, is how's that going for you and who are you blaming and how are you, uh, how are you getting through now? What James would say here is that in the midst of a pandemic, consider it joy when you face these trials. Now, this word trials is parismas, parasmon. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the Greek word for trial or temptation. Um, it is the same Greek word that's used in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, these are the things of life that happen, that cause us to stop and pause and think about life, and they're difficult, and we have to get through them. 
And uh, James says, all right, when those things come in your life, consider it joy. And my friends, that is a hard thing to do. Not for everything. Some things we see and we get through it and we say, man, we got through that. Some of these are really difficult. I mean, because some of these things are, you know, you lose a job. Some of these things you, you uh, lose income. Some of these things you lose relationships. Some of these things are, I got this disease, I got cancer or heart disease, and it doesn't look like there's any cure and I'm gonna have to live with this for the rest of my life. That's a trial and a temptation. Um, some of us might lose a loved one through death. Some of us might not be able to see someone we love because of the pandemic. And each one of these things are trials and they can be huge trials. But what James says is to consider it joy whenever you face these, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So what James says is that a mature Christian, a mature believer, a mature follower of Jesus Christ, will look at trials and temptations and try to find God in them. How do you find God in a trial or a temptation? By knowing that he's there, by knowing that no matter what the trial or temptation there is, he's walking beside you and many, many times he picks you up and he carries you through the trial or the temptation because he loves you, he never leaves you. Now the trial or a temptation does not happen because of God. God does not bring these trials and temptations in our life. He allows them to happen, but he is not the root cause of them. The root cause of trials or temptations are because we are sinful. We focus inward. Uh, we, we live in a fallen world uh, and we have free choice. And because of that, we are going to make bad or poor decisions. The world is going to come at us pretty hard and heavy at some times because it's a fallen world. It's no longer a perfect world after the fall of man. And because of that, we can't stop these trials or temptations from happening. They're going to happen. But what we can do is have a mature faith to know that in the midst of a trial or of a temptation, God does not leave us. God carries us through the trial or the temptation. And because of that, James says, consider it joy. Well, why would we consider it joy? Because everybody has trials or temptations. None of us are immune from it. And if you have a trial or a temptation and you see the hand of God carrying you through that trial or temptation, you get to the other side and you look back and you realize that God was with you through the whole thing. And that builds your faith. It builds your hope. It builds your strength. Uh, it makes you more compassionate towards other people so that you can help them get through uh, trials and temptations like this. Um, these are the things that help make you a mature Christian so that therefore you can be the hands of feet in God in a world that's still sinful. And that is the joy, the joy of knowing that God is with you. He never leaves you and never abandons you. He helps you through it. And then he gives you a call and a mission to help other people through the trial or temptation. And, and um, that, is, that, is, that is where joy comes from. That is where deep-seated joy comes from. Because it's basically the potter um, forming you. He's taking a, a, a misshapen lump of clay and he's molding it and he's tearing off pieces here or there and he's adding pieces there or there and he's creating a masterpiece. 
And so you are a masterpiece. You are, you are in the hands of God and he's creating a masterpiece. And that violent, I mean, to think of what a potter does, right? He takes the clay and he punches it down. He rips off pieces and then he forms it and he shapes it and he puts it on a wheel. You know, whatever it is, he start, it's, it's violent stuff that he's doing. And yet through that violence, he's creating a masterpiece. Well, the th- same thing is true with you. That God is doing this, allowing this violence, walking you through this violence so that you can become a masterpiece of God. And you do become a masterpiece of God because because he's with you. His spirit is with you. His joy is with you. His love is with you. His hope is with you. Uh, His word is with you. All of this is with you. And when you go through these temptations, these trials, he's with you. And when you get to the other end... um, James says, consider it joy. I think it's interesting that after the salutation, the first thing that James is saying is consider it joy whenever you face these trials or temptations. So the people that he's writing to are probably facing trials or temptations. Remember, it's this dispersed tribes of Israel throughout the whole Middle East, uh, or maybe even in Rome, wherever they are. Um, Wherever these people who've been scattered, they had a place in Jerusalem but they were kicked out of Jerusalem for very many reasons. They're now throughout the world, uh, and they long to get back to Jerusalem. They long for the old times when their life was, you know, so wonderful. That King David was on the throne, and they had a united kingdom. And God definitely was with the kingdom of Israel. There was no question about it. And there was there was a, this great time of peace and harmony, which really wasn't a great time of peace and harmony, I just want you to know. But they look back at it and they think it was a great time of peace and harmony. And that's what they want to get back to. It's just that time when they knew that God was there and God existed and God loved them and God was carrying their nation through all sorts of things and protecting them. And, you know, marauders would come in and God would help them win the battle. You know, God won the battle of David and Goliath. I mean, all of that stuff, that's what they look back to and that's what we want in our life. And yet... They're scattered around the world, facing trials, facing temptations, facing foreign governments that are causing all sorts of problems. Uh, And yet, James says, find joy in that. Find joy. Because God is still there. God's not abandoned them. The, The kingdom of God has moved from Israel to each and every follower of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God exists in them. They are the kingdom. Um, the kingdoms of this world pass away, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And the kingdom of God is a much, much greater kingdom. Much, much greater kingdom. You know, I've been thinking about this, uh, which is interesting. Um, we're, we're going through, depending upon when you're listening to this, uh, if it's live, we're going through an election that you know has supposedly closed out, but there's still some people that have um, said that the election results are incorrect or whatever, and some news media is following it, and some news media is not following it, uh, and the and it does appear from my viewpoint that the vast majority of the media has moved on. There's no more story, but the the media that's trying to pick up on this, they want to make it a story, and um, and it's interesting the power of media informing the story. Uh, but this has always been the case because in everything, the kingdom of this world wants to form the narrative. It wants to give you fear. It wants to give you, these are the things to think about. These are the important things. 
Um, you know, it, it wants to make you, it wants to create a crisis so that some organization of this earth is the answer to that crisis. Uh, and it might be a financial crisis. It might be a political crisis or whatever the crisis is. They have to create a narrative that they are the savior of that crisis. And so many times uh, we fall into that. Uh, it's, it's, it's the art of advertising, right? You do not, you need this car because this car has all these features. And if you don't have this car, you are not going to get through life well. And so we are going to help solve this crisis by giving you this car. Well, there's a lot, a lot of money going into advertising and things like that to try to create a crisis by which the car is the solution. But the kingdom of God is totally different. The kingdom of God is basically God's spirit working in you to say, I don't need any of that stuff. Now, it's okay if I have it. There's nothing wrong with it. And yeah, it's okay if I have a nice, you know, nice food, nice nice clothing, nice shelter, nice community to live in. All this stuff is is great, but it's not necessary for the kingdom of God. And the king this is this is what I I don't know how to say this, but the kingdom of God is basically not giving authority to all the worldly things that want to take control of your life and say, I'm the answer to it. Because the only answer to this world is Jesus and his kingdom. And he is the only truth that matters. He's the only answer that matters. And, and life in the kingdom is not letting the things of the earth have authority over you so that you can live an abundant and wonderful and joyful life no matter what happens in the kingdom of the world because you're part of the kingdom of God. And you're not letting the kingdom of the world have authority over you. I mean, that's truly what the, not that you can't be involved in politics, not that you can't buy a nice car, not that you can't live in a nice house or live in a great community or impact change in your community. My goodness, I certainly do, right? But, but that it doesn't have control over you. That you're doing it because you love Jesus and you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You vote because you want the policies that you think are best for this country to happen. But you don't let the political parties or the, the car manufacturers or, the, or all these people that want to have control over you to create a crisis in your life to give you fear to believe that you know they are the solution to this world because they're not. The only solution to this world is indeed the kingdom of God. And basically, being in the kingdom is allowing yourself to have trials and temptations that come from God, that God allows and not that the world creates because the, the world creates a lot of trials and temptations. It says, we're the answer to this. We'll put all that aside. Let God allow trials and temptations. Let him walk through life holding your hand, carrying you when necessary to get through them. I mean, that truly is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said the same thing. If you remember in the Beatitudes, this is Matthew 5. Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. Why, why would we be blessed by all that stuff? 
I mean, what blessing is there to be persecuted because you follow Jesus Christ? I mean, what blessing is there in that? And yet this is what Jesus says. Jesus says the blessing comes not in the persecution, but in the fact that I am holding your hand through the persecution. Blessed are you who seek after righteousness. Why? Because you're doing, when you seek after righteousness, you are follow, you're being the hands and feet of God. When you want righteousness to happen and you're willing to put yourself out there so that righteousness happens, you are following the kingdom of God. Now, the righteousness that we're talking about is the righteousness that comes from God. Uh, it's not the righteousness that the world says because uh, what we had a pardon this week. Uh, so the question is, was that person guilty or was that person framed? And, we, you know, the, the world knows the answer to that. God knows the answer to that, but we don't. We don't. We, the, this is way above my pay grade, let me tell you that. I, are there evil dark forces trying to, you know, to create dissent and uh, that sort of thing so that they can be in political power? Absolutely. That happens all the time. That's what politics is all about, power. Uh, and they're going to want you to believe that they are the solution to power. But the only solution to power truly is Jesus Christ. Because people only have power if you give it to them. Maybe that's a good way to say it. People only have power if you give it to them. Car manufacturers only have power over you if you are so uh, moved by their commercials that you just have to have their car or you can't live. Then you give them power. But if you don't give them that power, and they don't have power over you. That doesn't mean you might not buy their car. You might. You might say, God has blessed me with this and I, this car would be good for me and I'm going to buy that car. I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to do these things. Um, but you don't do it because, they're, because of their power. You're doing it because God is living in you and you realize that that is the best way to be the hands and feet of God in a world that's around you. You these people only have power if you give it to them. And if you don't give them the power, they have no power over you. This is why they killed Jesus. He goes you know, to a trial in front of Pilate, and Pilate is, don't you realize how much power I have over you? I can kill you. And Jesus looked at Pilate and says, you have no power over me. The power that I have comes from God. And I'm not going to assent to your power. I'm not going to live in fear by what you can do to me. This must have terrified Pilate. Because everybody else was afraid of Pilate, but not Jesus. Jesus stands in front of Pilate and says, you have no power over me. Think of that. When you're in the kingdom, the things of this world have no power over you. The only power uh, that people have over you are the power that you give them. And if you live firmly in the kingdom and you let God live in your life and his spirit dwells in you and you do the things of God and you just live in the kingdom and you don't care about you know, the things of this world, doesn't mean you can't be involved in the world and act in the world and try to do the things that you think the world in the world are right, but you're not giving them ultimate power over your life. The ultimate power in your life comes from God. That ties in here too. Consider it joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. What kind of trials are you facing? You know, a lot of you might be saying the pandemic is a trial because the politics of the world says I can do this, I can't do this, and you know, I might get sick and all that. And they want you to live in fear in the pandemic because then they get more power over you. And trust me, this is, <laughs> this is 
very prevalent in this pandemic. Nobody knows the answers in this pandemic. Nobody knows what causes it, where it came from, what the cure. I mean, we're moving towards that direction. But when it first started over the last nine months, you know, there have been a lot of important people saying this is what it is. And then we find out that it isn't what it is or that these are the solutions and we do those solutions and it still happens. I mean, the people who think that they have power over the world are exerting their power and we're following them. There's no question about it, but they don't have ultimate power. The ultimate power comes from God. And if we follow the rules and the guidelines, it's because we believe it's in the best entrance of the, of the kingdom uh, because the kingdom always comes first, right? And we only accede that power when it's necessary. And, and the older you get and the wiser you get and the deeper your faith gets, the more you realize that the only power that we have truly is the power of God working in our life. Um, that is ultimate power. That's eternal power. That's power, power. Uh, and the things of this world, they create, they create narratives and paradigms and things so that they can have power over you. And when you don't give them that power, it freaks them out, quite honestly. So being a mature Christian is understanding all that. And when you get into a, into a trial or tribulation, knowing that God's with you and that he's the only one that matters. And when that happens, that's when you can have pure joy. Because whatever you're going through, when you rely on God and God carries you through it, that produces perseverance. And then perseverance finishes the work of molding you into the person that God wants you to be. And that, my friends, is true joy. Uh, so I think we'll leave it at that. Um, why don't we uh, close in prayer? God, uh, no matter what the trial or tribulation is, carry us through so that we can see you in the trial. And when we look back, we can see how you carried us through it. In Jesus' name, amen.